This is CryptoCore Radio, discussing the ideas, people, and projects building the new digital economy. Get the latest on blockchain technology and cryptocurrency updates with your host, Lutz. All right, hello and welcome to Core Radio. This is Lutz coming to you live with hey. another great show. Uh, we have uh, Aventis on with us. Aventis is a new ICO, and uh, they want to educate you on what they're about. So, uh, welcome, guys. Welcome to my show. Hey, thanks, Lutz. Lutz, thanks for uh, for having us. No problemo. Uh, welcome. Happy, happy you're here with us. Uh, so. Tell us about Aventus. What, what's this about? Yeah, so uh, we're basically doing event ticketing on the blockchain. Now, uh, blockchain is really nice, gives us some nice properties. There's sort of four main problems uh, that we're trying to solve with Aventus. Now, the first is probably something almost everybody's experienced. It's called, uh, well, we call it touting here in the UK, but I believe in the States it's called scalping. But basically, we're referring to where uh, tickets kind of get bought in a primary release by bots, so like automated computer software, and they're resold for massively inflated prices uh, on secondary markets. So a good example of this, uh, Adele was recently here in the UK in the, in the Wembley arena, and her tickets were selling for 175 pounds and not 10 minutes later they showed up on uh, it sold out in record time a lot of the uh the uh, true fans couldn't actually get tickets and what 10 minutes later it showed up for like 10,000 uh, pounds on StubHub so that's the real sort of problem we're looking at there giving event organizers more control over their secondary market activity and actually allowing them to kind of tap into uh, some of that revenue. So that's uh, that's the first problem. There are three more. The uh, the second is one of um, counterfeits. So you obviously don't want to show up to an event and uh, after having bought what you thought was a legitimate ticket, uh, not actually gaining admittance. So there's all sorts of, uh, well, the blockchain, obviously immutable record of things. It's a really nice way of getting rid of this issue. You can always see if you actually do own the ticket that uh, the person is trying to sell you. Um, the third one is one of oversight. So here we're looking at, it's almost two-handed this one. On the one hand, we've got consumer confusion. So people don't know if they're buying in a primary market, in a secondary market, or even a known to be fraudulent website. I mean, for many events I've attended, I had no idea. Um, and now the problem with this is uh, often people get ripped off. Um, and the other side of this is quite a shady industry, the events, or at least the ticketing industry. So really making sure that uh, companies have overview of exactly where their tickets are being sold, um, through what channels, and sort of having real-time updatability around that. Um, the final problem we're looking at is uh, one of unsold inventory for events. So many very popular events, especially in sports, you see this. Um, we, we mainly operate in sports and music. But in sports, what you'll see is very popular events that won't necessarily sell out. Maybe they'll sell out in the primary market, but then uh, the full stadium won't actually be full. And we have all sorts of nice ways of uh, tweaking this. Now, obviously, you probably knew about a lot of these problems already. But uh, what we're really doing here, a lot of people have tried to address these, but we're coming at it from a new angle, not really. Obviously, it's a technical solution built on blockchain, but it's really an economic model that we're trying to build and get a protocol for industry-wide use for everybody to interact in a, in a good way with each other. So, 
So it's 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 like verify. It's just like a, a you're verifying uh, information on the blockchain, basically. Kind of. I mean, the whole ticketing lifecycle exists in our system exists in smart contracts on a protocol on the blockchain. So an event organizer can literally set rules about how they want their tickets to be sold. So that's anything from, you know, the primary market price to inflationary caps on the secondary market on resale and also revenue they want to take on resale. Um, and then they let those tickets be sold, you know, and anyone can plug into the protocol as a sales channel and kind of bid on those tickets to sell them, sell them and gain commissions. And it's all under the event organizers rules. And it also has all the black markets eliminated. So all of the controls they set are kind of, um, you know, fixed and adhered to throughout the whole life cycle and so that's really powerful about the blockchain because you can do that in a decentralized way like it's not a database where all the events are stored it's like completely open and anyone can plug in and sell tickets so you actually help them reach a wider audience like that is there some type of website where this is going to work on yeah so uh we're going to build like a um actually we're going to build sort of a proof of concept application that'll plug into our protocol and then let people actually benefit from this we actually have an alpha out already uh where people can go and just kind of play around and get a feel for things um but then our longer term goal is more of a a, a b2b play where we'll go to ticketing companies themselves and plug into them get rid of uh because all ticketing companies have a lot of the same functionality and we'll just sort of replace the bottom 50 percent let them deal with the actual selling of the tickets and the customer service and we'll be more involved with kind of uh driving events to the protocol and facilitating a much cheaper and better way of them sort of providing their services and what what exactly is the type of information that will be recorded on the blockchain what? Yeah, so, yeah, so like all the tickets sell, selling, you know, like all of the different transactions of who owns a ticket, how that ownership changes, um, the ticket itself. So it's really nice that now you as a ticket owner can like check to see if you're buying a real ticket or if, you know, like the ticket that people say you bought on some website is actually, you actually own it, you know, it actually happened. Um, so you'll be able to see all that. And um, you'll also be able to see details. So details of the event is going to be stored on um, IPFS. So you'll be able to see all the preference on the blockchain as well. So we plan to try and put as much of it on there as possible whilst keeping costs down, you know. Yeah, and obviously we just sort of make sure that the, the security is still intact because blockchains are sort of public. Anybody can view any of the data on there. So all your sensitive information is obviously uh, encrypted or, or secured. Um, and we kind of create a a safe way for people to interact with each other, giving away enough information that the oversight that I was talking about, that problem is solved, but not too much so that it would damage anybody from sort of a personal perspective. What What's going to be on IPFS? Um, the event details, you know, so like some of the, some of the multimedia, um, the event descriptions, some of the ticket descriptions as well. Um, you know, different, different details about the event that the event organizers would, kind of want to publicize um, so that people when they're selling tickets for the event they can pull that information quite easily and display it on on their websites when they're selling gotcha now the information i know a lot about ipfs so is that going to work uh on the is is there is the website going to be on on ipfs that it's going to carry all this information 
So yeah, the um, we, we have two sort of different websites. We have one that's the real decentralized application that sort of hits the blockchain directly. And yeah, that'll completely be hosted on uh, IPFS. And then we have another version where uh, you, you kind of go through a server, but still the sort of front end, the, the assets and all the front end stuff that'll always be hosted on IPFS. Okay. And uh, when you host it on IPFS, what are you using? NeoCities? Sorry, sorry, I uh, missed you there. Uh, this, so when you're hosting it on IPFS, is that your own node with your own, uh, you know, are you going to host your own node or will you be using a service like NeoCities? Yeah, we use Infura for now. Infura? Is that yeah. a, really? It, yeah, it's um, consensus made it. It's like a way, it, they like kind of host nodes for you. Um, f they also do Ethereum nodes. They don't um, manage your private keys or anything. You know, you have to handle that yourself. But you know MetaMask? No, no, tell me about it. Uh, MetaMask is like a Chrome plugin that you can, it's really, it makes it really easy for you to have like an Ethereum address and a wallet and kind of interact with dApps and stuff like that just from a normal Chrome browser. Um, they use MetaMask. So, uh, sorry, they use um, Infura. Oh, very, very awesome. I ne see I'm learning new things. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, the, the kind of idea with what we're trying to do is we're building that protocol. And what we really want to do is power other people selling tickets. You know, we're not ticket sellers. We want to be a technology company that sits one level below, you know. So, like, right now we have a, a DAP competition for our protocol out where people, you know, are submitting different ideas for like um, apps or different like services that could be offered to other ticket sellers that are kind of powered by our protocol. No, very cool. Is this going to be a, a token on the Ethereum platform? Uh, yeah, it is. So we're going to be one of the sort of ERC20 uh, tokens. Um, it's called AVT, our token in particular. Um, and it's sort of general use in the system. We use it to kind of vote on the legitimacy of uh, applications that want to be selling events, the voting on the legitimacy of events themselves. Obviously, the sort of decentralized governance of the protocol uses various pro voting properties. Um, and then another side of it, there's a, if, you, if we uh, delve a little deeper into how we sort of solve touting, um, it's important that you don't know who you sell your ticket to um, you don't know who the person is that's receiving your ticket on the secondary market before the transaction happens. Otherwise, we could, like, if I knew I was selling a ticket to you, we could just meet in a bar or something, transfer $500, and then book something in the system. Let's say you're only allowed to sell the ticket for $100. Then we'd go and book it in the system for $100, and off the site, we'd do $500. Now, this is these are kind of like the black markets we were referring to. You see this a lot, for example, in Australia, where they've capped resale, like, legally at 10% above face value. You just see these black markets arising. So this sort of non-deterministic settling of tickets between buyers and sellers in the secondary markets requires a thing. We call it the matching process. Um, and our token is sort of integral in that we kind of have matches who put up a stake and then they kind of report on how these tickets are settled. And if they act in a malicious way, they obviously get penalized based on their stake. And if they act in a positive way, they get a small reward for doing so. Okay, sounds like a plan. Uh, so, you, let's let's talk about tangibility. Is there anything uh, that that people could see or touch at the moment? You know, a beta of some type yeah. they could start check yeah, out. We have an, yeah, we have an alpha. Um, 
Um, so you can go to alpha.aventus.io, check out a basic version of the protocol. It doesn't have the voting or anything like that, but you can buy tickets, resell tickets, create events, and redeem your tickets with like QR codes and stuff like that. Um, so that's something there. We also have a few clients who we're actually working with right now using a very basic version of the protocol. See, one of the biggest problems that that any of these you know blockchain companies have is like converting people from the real world who know nothing about cryptocurrencies or blockchain they get kind of scared by it you know so some of the steps we're doing to kind of get there is introducing blockchain as a persistence layer so you know very basic versions of the protocol that kind of model out what they're doing on their ticketing application but now on the blockchain and kind of showing them how it works so next week we're going to be um, releasing a visualization of um, some of this activity from some of our clients um, to the public for people to see people actually using this technology, you know. Right, and the mainstream is always, uh, you know, a hard, hard group to get, especially when you're saying words like layer and protocols. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, the, the, uh, the sale, it's been interesting to see how things have sort of evolved over the last year or two. Like uh, when we started out with this, nobody knew when we were going into meetings what blockchain even was. So you'd have to kind of educate them on what blockchain is and then tell them what it can kind of do for them. But fortunately, since uh, things have blown up a bit in the last while, everybody seems to have a basic understanding nowadays. It seems like everyone and their dog wants to do an ICO. So things have definitely changed. <laughs> oh, yes, I know. Trust me, I get the request. Some of them I have to turn down because it's just... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just too blatantly obvious, you know, it's like, okay, you know, you got no plan, you got nothing. Yeah, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> yeah, we've had a couple of guys approach us and they're like, well, we basically want to do an IPO, but we don't feel like the uh, the legislation. So uh, what do we do? We're like, well, this is this is probably not the right game for you. So uh, tra transparency, tell me about your ICO. Uh, is, is this a uh, Tell me about the structure, you know, is, are there phases? Um, we try, honestly, we tried to make it as simple as possible because so many people tried these complicated things where they were like moving hard caps and like, you know, secret caps and like uncapped and all these things. And it just didn't really work that well, in my opinion, for some of them. So we went for the simplest structure possible, which is a constant price throughout seven day sales starting on September 6th. Um, we have a whitelist application process open now for some of our loyal community members. And all that basically means is them kind of applying through a form with some of their information, us kind of manually checking it over. And then um, a day before the sale, so from September 5th to the 6th, those whitelisted people can contribute the amount they, they said they wanted to contribute. And then on the 6th, the sale starts and um, that's it. But we had a pre-sale before. Um, so before all this, with our, some of our clients and strategic partners who helped us a lot around along the way. All right. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, I went to Token Summit a couple months ago here in New York City, and they was actually saying that the best strategy is to have your uh, ICO run as long as possible, a year, even two years. Uh, that's what they were saying. Uh, yeah, it, it was very interesting that, you know, they, they, they think that that's the best strategy as far as ICOs are concerned. We, we've decided to only do our ICO for seven days in total. And the real thinking here when we were talking to our kind of pre uh, sale participants 
what a lot of them were saying is they don't want to be exposed to the kind of volatility of ether for a prolonged period of time so for them the shorter the sale was the happier they were with it so it's it's interesting to see the different schools of thoughts on this on this front and i think we're going to see a lot of sort of research from proper economists and, pe and, and people with more financial backgrounds coming in more and more now and uh, well shedding a bit of light on the matter cool all right uh, is uh the funds once people invest will people be able to you know see the funds in an account on the blockchain somewhere where you know it'll be visible yeah definitely so the minute you kind of send your ether into the uh the crowd sale contract your uh the address you send it from will be given the avt um and you'll be able to use it so because when erc 20 token uh being uh, adhering to any kind of standard means you plug in really nicely with all the wallets and the existing infrastructure so people will be able to see in their wallets very quickly how much avt they hold almost instantly as soon as they've contributed their funds and then also the funds raised will go straight to our multi-sig wallet and people will be able to see um you know on ether scan like how much of that money is being released at what like we're not going to dump it all you know we're going to hold it and and be very careful about how much we take out every time um and there's a detailed breakdown of what we use the funds for and it's mainly just developing the protocol and stuff so okay yeah uh, that, and that's what that's what transparency is about uh you yeah. know people yeah, seeing sure. you know where the project is investing their funds you know exactly. it's it you know everyone becomes part of the project once they invest Exactly. And, you know, we have some um, milestones and stuff and we're, we're going to be putting after we raise, we have an idea of, you know, the funds that we've managed to get. We'll put together a plan of of, you know, at what points we'll take out which things to fund, um, you know, our different activities and make sure everyone's in the loop and kind of knows what's what's going on and what we're spending our money on. Cool. Very cool. Uh, so you, you went with an ERC-20 token and uh yeah, what, why did, was it smart contracts? Was that the reason why you went with Ethereum? Uh, yeah, so we, we obviously looked at the, the sort of various options in the market. And uh, obviously the most established when we started out with this were Bitcoin and Ethereum. And we just couldn't really get the sort of fine-grained functionality we needed from Bitcoin. So we, uh, there were a couple of other plays that we considered, but the, the smart contract functionality and the, the, the simplicity and nice way it's sort of designed made Ethereum the, the obvious choice for us. Okay. Uh, I only ask because I, back in the, you know, you go back a couple of years, even just a year, and everyone was creating their own blockchain. And now... Yeah. Uh, with the invention of tokens, uh, everyone is creating their own token, which opens up a whole new crowd because you don't really need much development skill to to do to create a token anymore. You know, you, back in the day, you really needed to be a developer to create the blockchain for your coin, and now you're going to tokens. Uh, the reason why I, I ask is because uh, if there's always that that threat that if something ever happens to Ethereum. Sorry about that. So if something ever happens to Ethereum uh, blockchain, you know, that affects every ERC-20 token out there. Same thing with other platforms like Waves. If something happens to the token on Waves platform, you know, uh, if something happens to their blockchain, then all those tokens are gone and, or, you know, what whatnot. So, yeah. you know, creating your own blockchain is, I, I believe, still an invaluable need because... 
uh, there's there's technologies now that are coming out, like uh, Komodo. I don't know if you've heard of Komodo platform. That's another one that it will allow you to put the blockchain in their wallet and utilize it, uh, you know, and be on the platform. Uh, but the but the benefit is that it's all separated and uh, it's a it's a break of Zcash. So uh, you know, eventually Zcash is coming out with smart contracts too. Uh, I believe I, I don't know what the timeline is for that, but it's coming. And uh, you know, you should know that that uh, having a separate chain. So if something happened to Komodo platform, the chain broke, you would still be okay. And all the coins and you know tokens on the Komodo platform would still be okay. Just, just that yeah. heads up, you know. Uh, but but nothing's written in stone. You could always move from Ethereum to you know wherever. Definitely. I mean, we've we've been uh, throwing around sort of longer term plans with our dev team because also with various scaling issues, and you don't really need. If we had a huge event running at the same time a huge ICO was running, we'd have a lot of problems with sort of getting the the ticket throughput through there. So we've really sort of uh, been knocking around ideas of maybe at some future point, nothing, nothing's planned at this stage. This is more sort of longer term vision, but talking about looking at maybe forking the uh, Ethereum protocol, making it a little bit more specific to our use case, having our own kind of uh, guys run them because the various ticketing companies could obviously run their node and could almost create the uh, the ticketing blockchain. So we're definitely keeping our eyes open. And we even looked at projects that, uh, use the ethereum virtual machine so if we could just jump across to something like rootstock um so yeah we're very much uh trying to to stay aware of these things but it's, it's always good to to watch out it's very early days for the industry isn't it it's also well, it interesting what you said because if you think about like if any of these um applications that that are for like real world industries so like i don't know music rights or ticketing or whatever um if any of them grow large enough the ethereum itself like it wouldn't even be able to handle the kind of volume that like some of the big guys in the industry handle so you're right like there there really might be a point without any of those issues of you know it going fast or what have you where people will actually just need to move over to their own blockchains to get that kind of volume right i, I always promote creating your own blockchain because it's that's what the technology in satoshi's dream was about is to use your own chain and not a, you know a glorified chain with bells and whistles uh, you know and, and that's where that's why I point you to Komodo because Komodo has this now where they're actually I think they've implemented a hundred chains already if you look at the Agama wallet you'll see all these coins inside this one platform which is really cool and if something goes wrong with that with Komodo they still exist and they still work just fine where oh, that's if, interesting yeah, so if something happens to Waves or, or if something happens to Ethereum or NXT, what, there, how many more are there? Uh, there's like <laughs> Civic, right? I mean, there's tons of them out there. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, oh, we saw it a couple months back. I think there was an ICO and Ethereum like went to a crawl yeah, at one status. point. Status, yeah, definitely. I mean, that, and that just goes to show you, you know, what it, it everything works great until the scalability comes into the picture and you know you start you start seeing volume you know that is that's why bitcoin is is amazing because bitcoin still handles pretty well even with the scale scale issue mm. i mean yeah. even if you wait a couple hours for your transaction i mean it's it's really not that bad better than a bank right <laughs> 
Right, which is a couple of days, <laughs> maybe yeah. two weeks. So if you're if you're really pro like separate blockchains, what do you think of uh, Polkadot? I never heard of Polkadot. What's that? You know, it's it's a full time job looking researching <laughs> every one of these <laughs> these things one by too one. Quickly to stay on top of it, doesn't it? Um, yeah, Gavin Wood, the um, you know one of the one of the co-founders of um, Ethereum, he made he's making a blockchain that connects other blockchains. So that all blockchains can kind of talk to each other, and uh, so you don't have that sort of problem of the Oracle where you have to feed data in. They can really sort of retrieve it from other blockchains. That's essentially the the core idea there. Ah, well, I, I got news for you. Komodo already did that. I mean, it's it, it's not it's it's not something new. It, unfortunately, the 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 person that you know, the CEO of of Komodo, he's anonymous, and uh, for good reason, you know, because he's building something that could really you know, cause disruption. So, you know, it's hard for people like him to get out there, you know, and say, Hey, I'm Gavin Wood. Look what I created. You know, you can't, you can't do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it's easy for someone like Gavin Wood to take a look at his project and, you know, and, and create it himself. And Gavin Wood, if you're listening, feel free to come on my show. <laughs> uh, so let's get to community and participation. What, uh, where, where are you guys located? You guys have a Slack? Yeah. yeah. So we, well, I mean, we're the company itself, we're located in London, but our Slack is uh, slack.aventus.io. You can grab uh, an invite there, which will sort of get to the Aventus city. Um, we've been doing, things have been picking up a lot in the last while for us. It's getting very busy on there. Uh, um, so yeah, we, we're on Slack. We're on uh, Twitter. We've got our own Reddit. So if you go to our um, Aventus, we post all our blog posts through there. And then one of the, we were talking about transparency earlier, and that's been something that Anik and I have really worked on a lot to try and be as transparent as we can with this process. So if you check out our blog at uh, blog.aventus.io, there's probably sort of 50, 60 articles there of us trying to talk about how we sort of attack the industry, various company updates. Uh, whenever we got something decent to report, we try and sort of get the community involved and let them know. All right, very cool. Uh, so, tell tell me about the skill set behind the uh, you know Aventus. Do you guys have a team? Uh, you know who and, and what do they do? What what's their history in in the blockchain world? Yeah. Um. So, so what, Alan, why don't you handle this one? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess my uh, so Anika and I both know uh, we're both dev um, for the sort of blockchain side of things in the company, but. Uh, how we sort of started off with Aventus, Anika and I met at um, Imperial College in London. We were both doing our masters. I was doing mine in artificial intelligence and Anika was doing hers in particle physics. Um, and I actually did my thesis with the director of the cryptocurrency research and engineering center at Imperial, Professor William Nottenbelt, who's still, he's one of our advisors now. He's been involved from the beginning. Um, my thesis was on um, blockchain-based film rights distribution. This was in 2015. And then off the back of that, Annika also sort of got involved and we started discussing around uh, when we finished off at uni and after uh, researching sort of film and music industry, we really identified this problem um, in, the, uh, in the ticketing space. And then since then, we kind of built up the team a little more. We have another, uh, we've just recently hired a head of product, Andy Grant. He's got 15 years plus experience in uh, sort of creating, uh, it was a CTO at a big or two big ticketing companies. I think it was Clueworks and um, 
uh, and, uh, and some other one. And he's now just joined on and helped us sort of uh, build things out more. We've got another, we've got some designers involved. Um, the full team's on the website, but uh, yeah, we've got a team of about seven or eight people now and a few sort of contractors here and they're working together towards us. All right. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask about advisors too. Tell me about that advisor again. Uh, yeah, so this was Professor William Nottenbelt of the, uh, the Cryptocurrency Research and Engineering Center at Imperial. Uh, at Imperial College, that is, here in London. We've also got um, uh, we got quite a few advisors because we thought it was very important to cover our bases on all fronts. So other noteworthy ones are um, Professor Mike Waterson. He recently did a report for the UK government on ticketing. Um, so he's, he's a real ticketing expert. He's a professor of economics at Warwick. Um, then we've got some more sort of industry-based people, Bernie Dillon and Diane Bowers. They've worked with companies like uh, in events for companies like UFC, Hard Rock, um, all sorts of huge names in America. Um, then we've also got guys more on the business side. One of our investors, um, uh, Daniel Masters, they run a well, they run various sort of um, crypto uh, products. They've got a uh, an exchange traded product in Sweden on the Nasdaq there. Um, uh yeah i think those are the sort of the, the most noteworthy and uh advisors okay yeah it's i think it's very important to have advisors uh especially from an investment point of view i'd like to have my projects to have people you know that have experience in this you know telling them what to do uh exactly so and also in the industry like if you i'm sure you know the ticketing industry is really traditional you know there are like big players that have been there for a while. Um, so we have, you know, like Alan said, our head of product, um, Andy Grant, who's been in the ticketing industry for like 10 years or more. And some of our advisors have been in live entertainment for a while and they really help, they come from that other angle, you know, of like, okay, well, you can't just show this industry some new cool technology. They're just going to kick you out. You know, you have to work with the ways they work and try and slowly change it rather than just dropping it there, you know. Gotcha. Uh, how do you plan on educating the, the public on about your product and how it works? Yeah, so um, one thing we, so there's two sides to the public, I suppose. It's the kind of crypto community, which we have to educate about the ticketing industry and then the kind of ticketing industry and event goers that we have to educate about the crypto industry because the two are quite um, non-overlapping, if you will, which is kind of interesting. Um, but on the kind of general, general non-crypto front, the way we kind of handle it is um, we're starting with more centralized services. So there's obviously the blockchain underneath, but we put a server on top. And like a lot of the clients we're working with now, they interact with the server and we handle all of the crypto payments. We just let everyone pay in credit cards and we kind of handle everything underneath. So they, and we manage their accounts, their Ethereum accounts as well. So they don't even have to have to deal with the cryptocurrencies. Um, Sounds and, like a lot of work. Um, Yeah, but it's kind of worth it to get that kind of, mass adoption you know when you when you show up to um you know some some of these guys you can't say okay well download metamask or whatever my ether wallet go to an exchange buy ether transfer it to that and then start interacting with our system like it's just gonna go away over their heads so um the way we kind of 
start is by building that whole um, kind of ecosystem there for them so that they don't really have to do that. Are there any legal aspects to this? Like, uh, you know, permits you need, uh, you know, things you need to be careful about doing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you can't just, I mean, especially if you work with someone like Stripe, for example, it's not, you can't like receive all the money to your account and then pay people out. That's kind of against the rules. You have to use people that exist, like Changely or Uphold or Mental Pay is coming soon. Guys who, who are focused on this as their kind of primary um, primary product, like that kind of crypto fiat conversion mechanism. Okay, uh, that's very cool. So what, what, what's the name of your website again? So, so people know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's Aventus, so Aventus.io. That's A-V-E-N-T-U-S, not E. <laughs> it's like Aventus, but with an A. <laughs> gotcha. I just wanted to you know, put it on, on so people could uh, go there now and take a look at it. Uh, also, yeah, we have about 40 people listening, unique listeners at the moment, and 57 uh, re list regular listeners. So unique means that you know they haven't been here before. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, I just did a little tweet before we started. Normally, you know, in the in the future, if you want to do a show again, we'll uh, you know, we'll promote it for a week in advance, and you know, it'll probably be a few hundred people uh, listening live. But okay. uh, cool. so, uh, Ed, do you know of any uh, you know competitors that might be doing the same thing that you're doing? Uh, yeah. So there are a couple of other. So if we we sort of look at it at the top level of ticketing on blockchain there are a few guys who are doing it there's some guys uh in switzerland in uh the netherlands called guts uh there's some guys i think they've got a bit more of a distributed team but called Blocktix. um and then there are a few smaller guys or guys who seem to have given up like lava movement or whatnot they haven't been active for a while but what most of these guys are looking at doing is really being ticket agents so they want to sell tickets or organize their own events um and be sort of that full stack uh, so we, they're all B2C, we're more B2B. There's not anybody trying to do sort of the industry-wide infrastructure that anybody can plug into. Um, but then on that front, we kind of have more centralized models that, that, uh, that compete there. Um, but yeah, no, no real big companies yet. And we're, we're hoping that, uh, well, the more people get involved in the space, the better, really. We need to put pressure on the industry to start dealing with some of these problems. That's, that's our perspective to this thing anyway. Right. And, it, you know, there, there's special use cases for centralized and there's other cases for decentralized. Uh, yeah. Some things you really don't need to go decentralized with unless, you know, you're planning to, uh, you know, evade some type of attack, you know, mm. but, uh, you exactly. know, you, you could be centralized and that'll be perfectly fine. A lot of people like centralization. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with things like this, though, it's really the real need for like a decentralized thing in this industry is that whole concept of who's selling tickets, you know, because right now you have ticketing applications and they'll like allow event organizers to come and create events and, you know, create their tickets and everything. And then on the other side, they'll have a user base that's sitting there and, um, and you know, like buying tickets and they're trying to curate that user base so they can attract more event organizers. With the blockchain, you can kind of disintermediate these processes. So you, so like people can focus solely on selling tickets because they have a great user base. Um, and then other people can focus on, you know, the whole event and ticket creation processes because they have nice, nice ideas around that, you know. And we almost build up. So we de-silo the whole thing. It's, events aren't now sitting in Ticketmaster's database and 
whatever, like StubHub's for the secondary market, but they all sit on the blockchain. It's just like a global pool of events and anybody can kind of tap into it as long as they sort of behave properly, governed sort of by the economic model of the system. That's really what we're trying to do, de-silo that whole thing at the bottommost level. Right. Uh, Ticketmaster seems to be a, a, a monopoly at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. And it's uh, we've heard a lot of horror stories about how uh, you can you can get in trouble if you try and go up against them. So we're really looking to be something complementary to existing ticketing companies. Well, you know, when that when that type of uh, you know competition comes along, that's why you go decentralized because then they can't do anything about it. Exactly. Exactly. Because they can't. It's not like I mean, hopefully, you know, at some point, hopefully that kind of market cap of AVT will get large enough that they can't just buy it and and take it for themselves. You know, they'll have to participate or start their own. I guess. <laughs> Very cool. So the roadmap is located on the website, and right. Yeah. Okay, and uh, when do you when do you feel that uh, you guys will have a working you know product ready, and how much are you planning to raise? You know, do you what do you need to get this the job done basically? Um, yeah, so we we'll be live with a couple of clients in the next sort of two weeks to a month, um, but that's sort of a really initial uh, skeleton version of everything we're going to be building. Um, we should have a public beta by the end of the year, let's say sort of December time, I think it's planned. Um, and then I think June next year is when we plan to go sort of full steam into production. Yeah, there's a, the real um, uh, philosophy that we have is building things iteratively, you know, so we're going to be live with a client in literally a few days from now that we'll be able to show people, but it's going to be a really scaled back version. And then, you know, based on their feedback, based on others' feedback, we build up and up and up. Um, so through the whole time, we'll be updating the community and showing them how we progress. Um, but, you know, it's not like, and there will be releases over time, but, you know, it's not like we'll be quiet for like three months and then drop some some big thing, you know, it'll, people will know as we're building and where we're at. Very cool, very cool. What, what are you guys doing for marketing? Are you, uh, you know, do you guys have a marketing company you work with? So for the uh, for the sort of ICO now, yep, we have a marketing company and sort of a PR company that we work with. Um, also various ones depending on the jurisdictions we're involved in. So some in China, some sort of in the, the main territories. Um, but the plan going forward, given the sort of B2B strategy is it's a lot less marketing intense uh, than it would be doing sort of a B2C thing. Um, and uh, post ICO, we don't have any marketing company or any deal lined up yet. But uh, we'll sort of plug that in as and when is needed. But we feel it'll be uh, there'll be a lot less of a need for that than there is right now. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, you know, from an investor point of view, a lot of uh, a lot of people before and after say they they want to know that what they invested in will be marketed out to the public so that you know it yeah. achieves the success it could. Definitely. Yeah. We 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 already have. We'll have a like a guy managing the crypto community full time. Um, you know, through throughout the ICO and then after it, um, after it closes as well. And one of the PR firms we work with now, we'll probably continue working with as well. So we're we're kind of um, occupied on those fronts. But you know, as the as the product changes and evolves, um, those okay. needs might change depending on how the customers and stuff change. You know. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, I work for a company called CoreGroup.info. Uh, they do press releases. They do. They have a hard magazine that's sent to your house. They have uh, me as the radio branch. Uh, they have uh, 
art, a, a website called coremedia.info uh, where we release articles daily. We have four writers writing for us and many uh, part-timers, uh, graphics people. So if you want to check it out, coregroup.info is our, our marketing firm here. Uh, cool. Great, thanks. We'll give that a look. And yeah, we definitely have another conversation about that. We have a, a very exciting service coming out soon because we're all spread out all over the place. Australia, I'm in New York City. Uh, we're going to be creating a service where we could uh, attend uh, conferences for you. So, you know, okay. we set up a table, we'll put all your information out, we'll tell people about you. It's a pretty exciting. So, so the owners don't have to go themselves to these conferences all the time, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. I, wait a minute. This is... Um... I think we were actually featured in one of the uh, in one of your sort of digital online. Um, uh, is it like a like an online magazine? Yep, for media. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, we, did a, we did an interview in that uh, maybe about a month back now. The uh, the twenty third of July, the issue twenty three in July. Oh, very cool, very cool. I, I I'm just the radio guy. I I can't write for my life, so. <laughs> yeah, but I, me neither. <laughs> I don't have the patience. I, I've I've tried a few times. It's just it'll take me two days, and then people will say it's not very good. So I, okay, I, I give up. Yeah, it's really hard, especially like the different styles of writing. You know, it's one thing writing a white paper, but then like a blog post, it's like so different. And having to do both is like, oh, it drives you crazy. Yeah, no, you should see Annika and I go back and forth before we release any of these blog posts. It definitely takes a while for us to do it. We're definitely not professionals in that area ourselves. Yeah, well, that's why we hire the professionals. Uh, exactly. Uh, it's it's really hard to find people in any any of the aspects that deal with crypto. I, I just had a meeting, and uh, you know we're looking for developers, uh, and you know for a project, and the problem is there's a lot of developers. They they all know Java, C plus, right? But the problem is none of them are in tune to the crypto world. So when, when you try to bring them into the crypto world, they're like, what is all this? Thing? It's, it's, yeah. So you need to find somebody that really knows crypto and and does their job normally, too. So, you know, like, you know, you, you need to know if, if it's a marketing firm, you can't go to any marketing firm because 